It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, happy Saturday to you. It is sunny out. Good morning. I'm Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate, a program that has been running for, what, 40-some years? Yeah, since 79. A little bit longer than I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve Kelly with a planned absence uh, this week and, and next week. Had to have a planned procedure taken care of, and we wish Steve well this morning if he is listening. Hope we can aid your recovery. <laughs> he was good yesterday. I went on visiting. Oh, that's He's great. He's doing fine. Uh, great. So Steve will be back uh, soon enough. Welcome in. Saturday Sports Talk. We have a nice program lined up for you. We're supposed to connect with Andy Katz from Big Ten Network and NCAA.com. He was at Illinois, Maryland last night. Yeah, that was so, a thriller. Illini came back, but boy, they got too far behind, I thought. Not too far. I mean, they did catch up, and then it came down to a couple of three-point shots, and Hep's shot didn't go in, and, and uh, their shot did. Young shot did. 71-66, the By final. By the way, check the age of the point guards that we've faced in the major games this year. I'd say they averaged five years in college. Average. Yeah, Tiger Campbell, <laughs> uh, Reese Beekman from – Tiger Campbell at UCLA, Reese Beekman from – Virginia's old, um, uh, young. He's <laughs> not young. Last night for Virginia. Yep. Uh, yep. And Brad Underwood emphasized last night in post game in two different places, both on uh, uh, with Brian and Dion last night and also on the television that we're the youngest Power Five lineup in the country. Yeah, I don't know exactly how he's uh, setting that lineup because he does have some older players on there. I mean, after all, uh, Shannon and and uh, Coleman Hawkins and Meyer are not exactly young. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but Illinois is regularly playing what four freshmen? Yeah, and he considers Danja a freshman well, in terms of yeah. experience. I mean, Danja's I, I think listed that. as a yes. sophomore, but yes. he's, he's he's and it's it's really tricky how to play Danja, isn't it? I mean, he even. You know, everybody's saying, well, you know, he wasn't there to, for that uh, switch on that last three-point shot by Young, and, and uh, that's true. And it is dangerous to use Danger late because he's not a very good free-throw shooter. If I'm playing defense and, and I'm in trouble on the post, I'm going to foul him and let him shoot the free-throw. Not to be overlooked either. It was the first true road game of the year for Illinois. And, yeah, really uh, tough. Maryland Great was – I mean, there was food thrown on the floor. You could see on television there was – other things being thrown, figuratively, um, yeah. um, with fingers. They had security trying to figure out who did it, but how do you pick them out of, out of a student crowd? Actually, Illinois played much better since the pretzel landed on the floor. <laughs> well, Illinois played much better in the second half because they played defense. I mean, that's the worst defense yeah. I've seen Illinois play. You cannot leave Hart, a veteran player, alone on the side. I mean... 
I mean, if all you got to do is stand in the corner, I could do that. Yeah. I might not be able to make the shot, but I mean, he's just standing there and they throw in the ball and he shoots it. I mean, you can't, you can't help to that extent. Help is important, but if you're going to leave a guy wide open for a three, he hit four in a row that were un, I mean, he was measuring the shot. He wasn't yeah. even, he didn't even have to jump or anything. It's just an easy open shot. Along the way, we'll have some time for your calls and texts, 217-356-9397. The phone number, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 351-5357. As we mentioned, Andy Katz coming up, and then we'll check in with Ryan Gensler, Illinois women's basketball assistant coach, off to a really hot start, and they're going to play a top-five team in Indiana tomorrow for their first Big Ten game, also on the road. In the second hour, Matt Brown from Extra Points will catch his perspective on college football playoff expansion uh, and other matters going on with uh, basically everything that has to do with college sports, and in particular college football, that doesn't include the actual game and the X's and O's. And in the back half of our number two, Adam Rittenberg, our friend from ESPN.com, Championship Weekend, and the Big Ten Championship on tap tonight. Utah won, by the way, last night over USC. That uh, just just squeaked it out. <laughs> they rolled over them. Did you see ever see such bad tackling as Southern Cal? I mean, not for a team were they, that were I they thought trying was, to get the football out of the arms or what? Not for a team that's supposed to be playoff caliber. Ooh, boy! Well, off and running here on Sports Talk here on this Saturday morning. Join us. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. Seven to shoot. Now to Young. 25 feet from the basket. Three. Shoots a three and got it. Jameer Young. He missed one a moment ago. Now the Illini are down four. 70 to 66. Yeah, Young, the... The veteran point guard, the old point guard, so to speak. Kind of put the nail in the coffin there, but Illinois had had it tied up at 62 with under four minutes to go and could not win on the road. In Maryland, 71-66 is the final. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate is here. And our guest now is Andy Katz, who was there last night with Big Ten Network Television, also with NCAA.com. Andy, good morning to the hardest working man in showbiz. <laughs> good morning, guys. Yep, on my way to Indiana Rutgers uh, this afternoon. So a very busy, and then I'm going to go home for, well, then to go to Chicago for studio yesterday, tomorrow, home for a day, and then I'll see. Uh, the line back in New York on Tuesday, and then I can settle down for a little bit. Well, you, that'll mean you'll have seen three straight Illini games. So I'm curious about that perspective. But going back two games ago, there are two things I'm going to remember about that game. One, Coleman Hawkins triple double. That's a rare feat. And number two, that you, Andy Katz, had to wait your turn to get a picture with Lauren Tate. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what's great about. Um, 
Lauren, among many, many, many things. Oh, oh boy. No, I mean, this is true. You know, I've never heard a negative word about you, ever. And that crosses generations of Illini players, coaches, Big Ten media, Big Ten administrators, which is hard to do. I've got Ron Zook's number. I can send it to you right now. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, come on. We know what happened to his career, so I'm not going to worry about that. You have stood the test of time. And, like, what warms my heart is – I was a young Cub reporter at the Daily Cardinal way back in the you know late 80s, and Lauren was there then, and I remember him you know <laughs> then, and you know that's the other thing too. Like um, uh, one thing that I try to emulate someone like Lauren is that, um, and it's hard sometimes you run around crazy like last night, but um, to not big time people ever because. Young journalists, young students will remember that. And you were one of them once. And I was definitely one of these people once. And so, you know, like last night even, I was sitting next to a lot of the student um, videographers and social media people now, you know, obviously the term uh, for Maryland. And, you know, whether it's just saying hello and great job or whatever, um, I think that's important because they're busting their tail to get someday maybe to where I am. And so, you know, I appreciate that. And um, uh, I'm definitely, it's, it's interesting how life works, where I'm in a point in life where I really do appreciate paying it forward and helping other people. And so to see Lauren still doing his thing um, is uh, definitely inspiring. So that it was, that was um, definitely a memory I will hold from uh, the other night. Well, thank you, Andy. But uh, let's talk about this uh, Illinois basketball team because last night I was really disappointed in their defense in the first half. They were, I thought, uh, overprotective and and trying to double team and leaving somebody open in the corner that, that was wide open. And I I come away with that thinking, and and, and they did. Uh, I think uh, uh, they changed it in the second half to the point where they, that wasn't happening. But what happened in that first half defensively? Yeah, no, you're right, because it was surprising. I do think that there was a little bit of a wake-up call um, to the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I think it took them a while. I mean, as Brad said after the game, you know, it's been a while that Maryland's been like that. Now, while Illinois hasn't won in that building in a while, it has been a while that the building has been like that. And you think about Illinois, um, even when they went to Vegas, a so-called neutral court, there were tons of Illinois fans. And this was their first true road game of the season for guys that had not played together. And I know Big 12 guys obviously experienced that when they were in there from Danger to Meyer to, to Shannon. But still, it's a little, it was imposing. And I think they were a little knocked back. Um, and I also think that you guys were witnessing it. The Syracuse game, you almost have to just literally put that away and never think about it again, again even though they won by 29. Because you're not going to play a team like that, and um, that was not aggressive. Their, their zone was terrible, and it was just an odd game statistically. And I just think that it just took them a while to get back into their traditional sort of rhythm, if you will, uh, of the way they need to play. And then the second half, they were much better um, and caught up, took a lead, uh, and were right there um, to win it. And, and, and you know, it was interesting after the game. I, I was pleasantly surprised 
that Brad was not mad. Like he was, you know, actually like, hey, you know, this was a great atmosphere, a great Big Ten opener, and we're going to be okay. Uh, he's happy for Kevin Willard and them getting off to a good start. Um, and, you know, just knows that that they were right there. And I, I do think, and I was, I came around the side reporting it, um, you know, that cut on Terrence Shannon, who ended up having to get stitches last night, I don't know, I never found out how many because it was happening while we were talking. But that was at a point where he was playing well. And taking him out, which you had to do, obviously, I think sort of stunted that momentum. And then he was not clearly the same. He had a couple of air balls after that. And so that certainly affected it. It was freaky. Nothing you can do about it. But that's certainly the game might have changed had he stayed in. Well, you know, it was it was impactful to see how uh, him play with such courage, I think. And the, yeah. the team also fought its way back from, you know, they were behind 47-36. They were behind 55-45. The game was moving on. It didn't look like Illinois was going to catch up. But they did. They did catch up. And they had shots. In fact, uh, Shannon had a had a breakaway one time. I, I would that have put him ahead? I think it was, wasn't the game tied well, when he did jam, that. The, the jam that he got stuffed on. Yeah. By the way, you're talking about courage. Yeah. He's a guy who was gushing blood. Yeah. And he's willing to just sort of again sacrifice his body um, without you know any hesitation. I'll tell you this, and I, I I'm sorry I forget his name right now, but the athletic trainer who you may know his name, Paul Schmidt. Did you, what? Paul Schmidt. Oh, okay. Yeah, Paul. I'm sorry. Talk about, like, yeoman's work because he was trying to, I mean, you know, he was trying to patch that up on the fly with sweat. Like, I, and I, that's a key thing here because, you know, clearly there was sweat coming down Terrence's head, and, you know, he's got curls, and so they were trying to literally sort of jimmy-rig a way to sort of put this this tape around a sweaty head and the first time the tape didn't stick um and then someone ran one of the managers ran to get a headband because there was talk of maybe putting a headband over the tape to keep it you know tucked in and then if you remember there was one point where he went to the basket and he just got knocked a little and then the gauze kind of like popped underneath the black tape and they had to sort of readjust that so you know that was some stressful stuff right there for Paul. Landy, I know you got to get moving here, so just quickly, uh, what's your 10,000-foot view right now? I, I, I know some Illini fans on the way out on Tuesday night were giving you grief for how you had the, the your power rankings of the Big Ten right now. But <laughs> Look, nobody is... Oh, well, let me what, tell you, the next night, I got grief from Indiana fans because I had Purdue ahead of them. Well, so I, it, it never ends. Yeah, you're, no, no, listen. You're justified, but where do you see I, it? It's a toss-up. No, here's the deal. I think Illinois, without question, will be in the chase for the title. Um, where they fall in that line of which really looks like it's going to be Indiana, Purdue, and I think Illinois. Um, I think Michigan State's injuries sort of, you know, we just don't know when those guys are coming back. And, you know, their inside game is still a little questionable. Uh, Michigan has not, you know, their the inexperience on the perimeter is coming back to bite them. Um, you know, Maryland obviously is playing well, but let's see now when they go on the road for true road games. Um, so I really do think it's going to be those three, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, and I think a big key, A, they got to get – Meyer's going to have to make some shots. That's going to have to happen at some point. Um, 
you know, Danger had the great start. He's been a little inconsistent lately, so he's got to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, and I think Sky Clark, who is a freshman, we got to remember that, he has to be uh, a little bit more under control, which I think will happen. So, you know, this is a team that I do think will get better. They may lose some more games, and maybe they won't win the Big Ten, and maybe they'll be a five seed or something like that, but they have the potential to be a second weekend team, no question. And then when you're, you know, to me, when you say second weekend, all oh, that means the first two rounds. And then when you're in the Sweet 16, anything can happen, as we saw, like St. Peter's or whatever. So, you know, you're just getting to that second weekend, it's wide open in my opinion. But they are, the potential, the ceiling, I do think the ceiling is really high for this group if those things occur over the next uh, couple of months. Well, Andy, we've got to let you go, but tell us about when you go to Madison Square Garden, you got Duke and Iowa, and you got Illinois and Texas. I mean, how, how much better does it get? No, it's going to be a great doubleheader. Um, but, you know, the Texas game, to me, I think is going to be a total rock fight because Chris Beard and Brad Underwood, obviously disciples of, you know, the, the, the very cut from the same cloth. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the, the uh, you know, Terrence Shannon, um, you know, how they defend him because they obviously know him. Uh, but, I, you know, again, Illinois going back to a, a neutral court. Um, I actually think that according to what Derek Burson was telling me, you know, they, they expect a fair amount of uh, Illini donors, boosters, fans to show up. Texas does tend to draw well in New York City. Rick Barnes used to always bring the Longhorns there. So um, I think we're going to get it. You know, Duke obviously always does bring good crowds to New York. You know, whether or not they come for the early game, we'll wait and see. But I actually anticipate a pretty good crowd and a, and a really sort of a physical game on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. Andy, great to see you. Thanks for making some time. I know you, you've got a hectic schedule, so we really do appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Andy Katz, follow him on Twitter at the Andy Katz. Of course, he's on Big Ten Network, and he's uh, writes for NCAA.com as well. Sports Talk, Illini Saturday, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly, and Lauren Tate is here as well. Phone number is 217-356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Texter asks about Illinois in the Jimmy V Classic, which is the Tuesday matchup you Mm -hmm. just referenced. Illinois has actually been in it three times. You forget this. The last time was in 2020 when they played Baylor over in Indianapolis. Now, it's always been in Madison Square Garden, but that year with with COVID, uh, it was in the Meadowlands before that. But that year with COVID, for whatever reason, they did it in Indianapolis, and Illinois lost to Baylor. I hate to tell you this, but Illinois is 0-3 in the Jimmy V Classic. Lost in 2014 to Villanova, lost eh, way back in 2003 to Providence. So Illinois trying to buck a trend, but usually when you're in the Jimmy V Classic, you're playing really good teams. That's right. That's right. That would have been a good team in 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? Self last D, year? D would have been a freshman. Was that Self no, last uh, year? That would be the 04 season. Oh, that's right. So that was Weber's Ooh. first season, right? 3 yeah. 4. Yeah. Yeah. Time for a phone call here. Alan is with us from Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. That was a tough game last night, and uh, in spite of everything, including fee shading, wasn't the greatest for us. Uh, we still had a chance to win. Uh, a couple of days ago, I tried to get a hold of you guys in the evening, and uh, we had communication problems. 
my beef that day was and beef of the week was the Chase Brown snub. Uh, there's one thing you guys did not note in there and should have noted was Chase Brown played in every game. Corm and Abraham did not. Mm-hmm. To me, availability means a lot when you're talking about that close uh, uh, separation of players. Mm-hmm. He had and more he carries. Yeah, he, yeah, he had he, way more carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and, and that, somebody pointed this out that he had the the most rushing yards against Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, all top 15 defensive teams nationally. Had well over 100. He had like 100, you know, toward 150. Well, there you go. He also How had more. They, uh, he also had more all-purpose yards. Yeah. All How three. Could you not I, I would first? say to you that all three of those guys are pretty close. But uh, you know, it would be a shame to leave uh, Chase off. But I, I, I do think it was close. I mean, that's just. Me. I, I, I think I, it came I, down to Chase Brown or Mo Ibrahim. Uh, I think Corum was probably universally thought of as a first teamer. He was sort of a first teamer all season long. Then toward the end, he didn't produce like, of course, he got hurt. But, um, you know, I think that that a part of this was from the professional standpoint that the, the word was coming back that Coram is a better draft pick than, than Chase Brown. Now, whether he still is is a, is a whole other question because the things happen at the end of that season that might change your mind. Mm-hmm. But during the course of the season, when Michigan is rolling up victory after victory, Quorum uh, was a big, big factor, and I think that Ohio State set their defenses specifically for Quorum because they certainly didn't no. <laughs> set the defense for the deep pass, did they? No. Hey, thanks, Alan, uh, for the call. Yeah, it's really you can make solid arguments for all three guys. Mm-hmm. You really can, and it, it, you know it's a shame for Chase Brown. I think in the end he'll be okay. Well, yeah, uh, he's, he's a finalist for Doak Walker. Yeah, uh, it would be funny if he got that. And, and you know who's going to get that? Robinson from Texas. Is he? That's what I think. Yeah. But Michigan will play tonight against Purdue. And most people, maybe not everybody in this room, but most people think that Michigan is in the college football playoff no matter the results tonight in the Big Ten Championship. I really have a hard time accepting that, that, that if they lose the final game of the season – to Purdue that they would be in, and of course you'd have to throw Alabama over them, and and I don't guess you can do that. Well, but Ohio State's going to be in, aren't they? It looks like it after last night's loss. That is the the anticipated thing. Be, be, and it was so lopsided at the end. I mean, it, it looked like Southern Cal just quit tackling. There are only four teams that have zero or one loss as we sit here, mm-hmm. and they are the four teams. Mm-hmm that are projected to be in the playoff. I, ac- I accept your argument on that. I mean, or not your argument, the, the argument that we're just being put out there that Michigan's in regardless, but still, I, you know, I just, if I was if Michigan, I'd be nervous if I, if I lost the game. What if Ohio State had indeed beaten Michigan? Michigan would be, would they have been sitting here hoping USC loses last yes. night like they did? Yes, Same sir. Same reason. <laughs> Absolutely. It's no different. Yep. And once again, the Pac-12 will be shut out of a playoff appearance. Well, it's their own fault. They lost twice to Utah. You can't do that. You cannot. Now, some people are – the argument is USC was punished by having to play in a championship game. And Ohio State is 
benefiting from yes. not having to play in a championship game. Well, we won't have that problem in two years. Not ne- Next year will be the same problem, but the following year we'll have a conference without any divisions, and then the best two teams will play, and the winner will advance, and the loser won't, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, Bob was no, saying— No, no, they'll both advance. Yeah, well, they'll both 12. be in the playoff, but, I mean, it will also— you know, what will be the point of the of the conference championship game besides an, a made-for-TV event? Good point. I mean, it's let, I, mean I think point. I think it's pre, most people say Michigan and Ohio State are one and two in the Big Ten mm-hmm. in their in, the, in their ability. I'm not going to argue that. And so let's say there was no conf, there was no divisions this year, and you say, okay, now Michigan, and Ohio State, you got to go play. Well, of course, they're going to already play. They're always going to play every year. And when they say, now turn around and play again They'll for play a conference th- champion in the future, they will play three times. <laughs> possibly three times in a row <laughs> yes possibly <laughs> but i will tell you this if michigan and ohio state wind up paired against each other in the playoff this coming weeks that'll be a game everybody will watch yep. and you say well they're playing again we already seen it. no they're going to play again and ohio state's going to take a shot at them listen that'll be a great i wouldn't miss it would you well, that could well happen if Georgia loses. I don't yes. think they're going to, but Georgia yeah. loses. That may, and of course Michigan has to win today. <clears throat> you could put, slot Michigan number one and Ohio State's there number four. It's what everybody wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, coming up, Ryan Gensler, Illinois women's basketball assistant coach. The Illini are headed to Indiana tomorrow to take on the number five Hoosiers. And we'll talk to them about their 7-1 and one start and the hot three-point shooting and more. Next hour, Matt Brown from Extra Points, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. Along the way, we'll have more time for your calls and texts. Lana Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk. When you can get some wins, and it, it kind of gives them confidence in, in the process of it all. And, and I keep telling them to trust the process and trust you know, how we do things. And I think when you have some... You know rewards from that and, and see the uh, kind of the fruits of your labor um, I, I think it's easier to buy into so no doubt about it I think that's helped and hopefully that confidence just keeps building and building as we go along this season that's a line at women's basketball coach Shauna Green talking about what this seven and one start has done for the team in addition to obviously a win, the wins, but in terms of building confidence and some momentum as they open up Big Ten play tomorrow. A little bit of buzz about this Illini women's team. Ryan Gensler is assistant basketball coach for them and good enough to make some time for us here this morning on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk before a practice. Ryan, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, congrats on, on this hot start. And um, just wondering if you're, I mean, Look, when you know the the context of what you guys were coming into, when you have this kind of start, do you feel the the buzz and the appreciation around here? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the community's been uh, incredible. Uh, I think it's like it, it's everywhere that I've gone. Um, you know, I, I stick out like a sore thumb because I'm six seven, so they think I'm something to do with basketball. And when I tell them it's women's basketball, there there's always positive feedback. Um, so I always leave my business card by where, where we are and say, hey, 
if you want tickets, come to the game. Like we just we just need to get some bodies in there. And I think once you're in there, you know, you're gonna you're gonna like the the body of work that we're putting out on the court. And I think it's uh, it's great for fans. It's great for families. It's it's great for everyone here to take some pride in our women's basketball team. Big Ten ACC Challenge, you beat Pitt and score 92 points, and that's without scoring in the final four and a half minutes. What's what's clicking on offense? You know, it was an interesting game. Um, you know, obviously we shot the ball really well from three, but, you know, it did not feel like it was one of those, like, oh, my God, kind of moments that you, you're hitting consecutive threes. It was, you know, open shots, rhythm shots, shots that we practice all the time. Um, and, you know, credit to our players, they – they executed them, knocked them down, but you know it, it, that is the kind of context that we, that we can have and build on for our players. That you know, if, if we play the way that we want to play and we move the ball the way we want to move the ball, you know, the ball is going to find the open person, and um, you know, it's their responsibility to knock it down. And you know, fortunate for us, we've got some kids that have worked really hard from the summer to the fall to put themselves in a great position to knock those shots down. Well, Ryan, this is Lauren. When you're shooting 44% from three, that's pretty good. It'd be pretty hard to sustain, I would think. But uh, the men aren't shooting anywhere near that. And uh, I, I just wonder uh, your thoughts about the three-point shot and whether this can be sustained. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I mean, they were they were rhythm shots, um, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of the three-point shots you got to look at the three-point quality of it where's where's mm-hmm. it coming from you know is it uh early offense is it quick offense or is it you know generated from you know um we, we like to say kind of inside out uh sometimes and you know credit kendall bostic she had a couple of assists in that game um for you know getting a post touch kicking it out if they collapsed on her or, or being able to find the open person and then you know with our with the way that we play transition um you know we practice some of our transition threes you know, every day it's a part of our warm-up, um, you know, on game day uh, to be able to, to kick it up and kick it ahead. Um, and, you know, Pittsburgh played some zone as well. You know, I, I know our guys found some success against Syracuse's zone the other night. And, you know, when you kind of rep it and practice it and you know, kind of know where the, the spots are going to be uh, for our players, you know, they executed at a really high level against the zone and got some uh, really open looks. You know, Jada Peebles in, in particular was, uh, was kind of a master marksman of, timing up things in the zone to uh, to free herself up and uh, credit her teammates for finding her. Uh, Indiana being number five, and I guess there are five teams in the Big Ten that are in the top group. Uh, is this the best Indiana team that they've had in a while? Correct me on that one if I'm wrong, but I don't remember Indiana being number five. Yeah, you know, credit to, to Coach Terry um, at, at Indiana. You know, when we got the job and, and we were out on the road in April – um, you know, sat by her and, and I said, you know, I've got the utmost respect for what you guys have done at, at Indiana. And that's really the blueprint of what we wanted to do, you know, um, you know, for the same exact reasons that you said, you know, there wasn't a, a long history of women's basketball success at, at IU and, you know, credit to them. They've got a, a couple kids that came in early in the process. They got a couple transfers that were their hardest workers and best players. And, um, and they came in and kind of changed the, the landscape of, of how they do things there. And, you know, they've slowly chipped away at, you know, building a roster, building some depth, um, and now to the point that they're able to, um, you know, compete for, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's been incremental for them, um, but uh, now it's kind of sustained successes. Uh, they've got some really nice pieces and, um, you know, are, are at the top of the conference. Well, tell us uh, your scouting report on Indiana. What would it take to, to win a game like this? I know you're going to be a big underdog tomorrow. 
Well, uh, you talked about shooting the three really well uh, for us. Um, they also shoot the three very well. Um, you know, really, uh, their four starters, you know, all, you know, shoot well above, you know, 35%. Some are at 50%, um, low 40s uh, percentage-wise from three. And then, you know, they have a really dominant uh, post player uh, in Mackenzie Holmes. So it's a, a very complimentary offense. Um, you know, if you take Holmes away, you know, you're, you're giving up some, some three-point shots. You, you try to take the three away, you know, you're allowing Holmes to operate down low. So, you know, just like with, with anyone that we play, you know, we're, we're going to try, you know, our best to do what we do, you know, and if we can, you know, fundamentally do our defensive, you know, philosophy pretty well, uh, win our one-on-one matchups, you know, um, not, not get beat on, on easy things because uh, they'll make you pay on a lot of things if you're out of position. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll certainly try to mix it up on them and, and keep them guessing a little bit, you know, with Holmes and their shooters out, out on the perimeter um, to not give them the, the same clean look all game. Talking with Brian Gensler, Illinois women's basketball assistant. I guess a perception about this team, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is that uh, you do give up a little bit on size uh, in mm-hmm. general. How do you make that an advantage uh, if you are indeed undersized, especially in in Big Ten play, when you're matching up with the Mackenzie Holmes of of the world or the Megan Cezanos, you know, when you face Iowa. Yeah, I think you know one of the things that uh, you know we pride ourselves is our you know six seconds or less philosophy in transition offense, and I think you know part of that of of being a little smaller, we're, we're pretty athletic, we're pretty fast. Um, so to to be able to wear teams down. Um, you know, collectively over the, the course of a game. So, you know, running their bigs and trying to get them tired. Um, you know, we have, we've got some post players that have really are really well conditioned. You know, um, not only do, do the men have Adam Fletcher, but we have Kylie Fletcher. And, you know, bodies by Fletch is a real thing uh, here <laughs> at Indiana. And uh, we're very fortunate that our kids are in great shape and, you know, can withstand, you know, some long sequences. But, you know, our, our philosophy of staying in front and staying, you know, um, you know together defensively and moving on a string um, you know, that can be annoying for players uh, at certain times when we're just constantly in the right position. Um, so, you know, we like to think over the course of time we can wear them down um, by being the more disciplined team and, um, and hopefully, you know, our transition offense and our, you know, speed and athleticism uh, can wear them down to where, where they're making mistakes late in the game. And, and you primarily uh, work with the, with the bigs, right, in, as a position group? Correct. Yeah, so yep. how's Kendall Bostick's progression been this year? Uh, you know, she came in. She was a great addition as soon as she came in. She's a rebound machine. Uh, but what's what's been the next step for her? Yeah, it, it's been really fun. I mean, we recruited Kendall um, at Dayton, so I've known her for a long time, so I've been able to kind of follow her and, and see what she could do. So, honestly, when, when we got here, it's been, it was, you know, to get her re-in-love with, you know, being a post player. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, she kind of uh, trended to the perimeter uh, to do some high-low things or, you know, be perimeter-oriented. And I think, um, you know, I think getting her around the block here has kind of reignited uh, her love. And, and she's crafty. I mean, even though, you know, she's probably 6'1", six, 6'2", six, six, uh, she gives up a couple inches to some of these bigger posts. But she's, she's certainly very crafty. Um, she's kind of rededicated herself to just doing simple better. You know, her hook shot's been really good. Um, she's still a tremendous rebounder. Um, so, you know, just trying to refine, you know, those simple things and get that solid foundation um, she's really taken to and has, has really done a great job with. And now, uh, it's funny, we just, I just left a workout with her this morning. Um, it's, it's adding some things and trying to, to, to add some things to her face-up game because she's got a beautiful jump shot. 
Um, but, you know, that's a high-level, you know, uh, field goal percentage score in low. So, you know, anytime we were able to get a post-touch with her, you know, the better. I want to talk about Cook because it looks to me like she's the she's the thing that makes this team go. You, you talk about her and, and what she means in terms of her playmaking and her scoring, uh, but, but mostly her playmaking. Yeah, you you can't talk about the playmaking unless you talk about her leadership. And, you know, I think her coming from Dayton, being able to interpret Coach Green for the rest of the players here um, and taking a really big step as a third-year player um, from a leadership sense and finding her voice. And I think that that level allows for her to play more confident um, because she's believing in the things that she's saying and she's she's got to act on it. Um, but no, she's, she's been able to, to score at all three levels, um, for, for most of her career. And now she's starting to see how teams are going to play her and, and see, you know, what teams are willing to give up. But, uh, she is, she's got an unbelievable handle. She's a very strong, you know, physical kid, uh, as a guard, which you'd love to see. Um, and, you know, she's able to get into the paint and, you know, make a, make some really good decisions. And again, you know, credit to her teammates for being, you know, great perimeter players as well you know, they can't collapse on her. You know, if, if, she, if they collapse, you know, she's able to find them out on the perimeter and make them pay with some open threes. And if they stay with those open threes, you know, she's dumping it off to our bigs or, or able to finish uh, pretty well around the basket. One of the things that stands out to me about her and also Genesis Bryant having transferred in and, and you brought along Bryn Shoup Hill is, uh, you know, Sean has talked about, you know, that she didn't look at any film from the past seasons of Illinois that she really wanted this a blank slate. I would imagine that's an advantage when you go in on the road tomorrow to face a team that's got a, a number in front of their name. Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, it's a, a blank slate is exactly what you, you want. Um, you know, we got on the bus after Pittsburgh and, and someone, you know, tossed out a stat about us winning on the road for the first time in a, in a long time or, you know, first ACC Big Ten Challenge win in, in a long time. And we had no idea. And I think sometimes that's the best way you know, to, to be about these things. Uh, if you give that energy, then, you know, you're, you're misplacing that energy into, into something else that might be a little bit more meaningful for the team. And, you know, we really just kept it about the process. And, you know, Coach Green's been really good about, you know, kind of saying we'll be good when we're good, you know, and then what that looks like and the timetable and the measurements are still to be determined. But, you know, we just got to kind of keep it as simple as, you know, just the day-to-day and having a great practice, having a great drill, you know, and just taking care of all that and and honestly and if the results will take care of themselves and if and if the result isn't in our favor we'll at least know we can put our head down on the pillow at night knowing that we did everything that we should you know to put ourselves in the best position possible well ryan best of luck safe trip over to bloomington and it'll be it'll be a good one tomorrow we look forward to how you compete against the hoosiers lauren yeah and they come back against rutgers on wednesday which happens to be december the 7th so yes, a name, a number in history, huh? <laughs> yep. So, so we hope it'll be a disaster for Rutgers. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of history and uh, in USA, who we got in the? We think we can get a good second half for USA soccer here. I, uh, the amount of soccer strategy I know is they need to score <laughs> two goals, <laughs> and they need to score one more than Netherlands because they're down one nothing right now. So if you have any no input doubt. on that, let us know. I wish. I wish. I asked Sarah Burton all the time. She's a former soccer coach uh, here. She gave me a little tutorial when we were down in Florida about uh, you know the, the World Cup and strategies, and it was way beyond my pay scale. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick to hoops. Yep. Seems to be working well for you. Hey, Ryan, let's do it again sometime. Good luck.
All right, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, that's Ryan Gensler, Illinois women's basketball assistant coach. You saw what the Canadians said about what to do about soccer. They should make the net smaller. They should have fewer people on on the field. And they should cover the entire field with ice. <laughs> that's you what had Cana- me. That's you... what the Canadians think they ought to do with soccer. Was, what, what do you think? <laughs> that's that's a good one, Lauren. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We've got some time for calls and texts, and uh, we'll keep uh, processing what's going on with Illinois basketball after last night's loss to Maryland and some uh, things about football on the docket. Next hour, Matt Brown and Adam Rittenberg, Illini Pella Saturday Sports. Illini family, this is Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. We're on the road tomorrow night. Listen in on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Hey, tomorrow afternoon, but it'll be tonight, tonight uh, somewhere down the East Coast. Ooh, boy. Netherlands up 2-0 on the U.S. 46th minute of play. That's pretty hard to come. I do know enough that two is really hard to come back over. on. <laughs> hey, you got, to, you got to the knockout stage. You got to the sweet 16. Uh, let's see, Lauren. we got a couple of different threads on okay. on the text line. So you want to you talk about the game last night? You want to talk about college football playoff? Both. Okay. Uh, game last night, uh, tough loss. I hope the Illini will bounce back, says the texture. Also, please give Steve Kelly uh, wishes for a speedy recovery. So we, uh, we send you that. And what did you think of Illinois' ball movement and offensive strategy? Seemed, um, seemed there was significant unproductive perimeter passing without a detailed plan, only five assists other than Shannon. I think there was just wasn't the plan. It was execution and some really bad turnovers. For the most part, against man-to-man defense that we would consider our level, Illinois' half-court offense has been very mediocre without danger playing really well. It just doesn't – I don't see an awful lot of penetration. Against a zone, when you can throw – against a weak zone that Syracuse put up, and when you can throw – uh, Coleman Hawkins into the middle of it, then that changes everything. And now that's not what I'm talking. About. I'm talking about when they're playing man to man, and you and, and I see too much passing on the perimeter and not enough penetration. Now, I think that that's why they go with danger as the game moves along because then you have a post offense. They have no post offense without him. Well, Brad said before the game that Maryland was going to be up your shirt. I mean, they really. They play. Willard knows what he's doing, yeah. And they got some players there, and they they play a good, solid man defense. And, and by and the they, way, when talking about Young, he he was he was four out of twenty from from three going into the game. But let's remember something: he was a high scorer for Charlotte. Yeah. He played there three years. He was a really good scorer. He can score, and he did last night, as we saw. But uh, and then you got a guy Carey who played for Mount Saint Mary, Siena, and Georgetown. The guy's a veteran. I mean, you're running into veteran players, and we've got veterans too. But and therefore, it was a close game, and the crowd made the difference. The home court made the difference in the game. In the final analysis, Illinois lost. Women lost to Delaware. The men have now lost to Maryland and Virginia. The DMV has been 0 for 3 for Illinois basketball teams. Okay. 
Let's go to the phones. Marty's with us from North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Hey, Scott. Hey, Lauren. Hey, uh, we haven't won a game in Maryland in quite some time, and we had some good teams go in there and get beat, so it happens. Um, I kind of expected it. First Big Ten road game, and they're off to the best start they've had in years. So I, I expected turnovers from some of the freshmen. We got them, and Epps was way too high because he had 25 friends and family there and both his grand sets of grandparents there, and he was too hyped up and got himself in really bad foul trouble. So stuff happens. Well, now, uh, let's talk about foul trouble for a minute, okay? Yep. Um, so he got two fouls, okay. He put him back in the game. He picked up. He played. He didn't foul out, and and there was he he played okay. I didn't see anything wrong with him. I mean, he didn't play. I, I, did you want him to play more minutes? I mean, I don't yeah, see I why there's a concern about his fouls when he's splitting time with Sky Clark anyway. Well, it bo- it bothered me because I thought we needed his uh, shooting and scoring ability early in the game. Well, I mean, uh, okay, me. You know, okay, just me. But he's I, I he's in the there. Point. He's gonna he's gonna. Is he gonna play more than twenty minutes anyway? The answer is no. Uh, some nights yes, and some nights no. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but I, I just I think that whole that whole discussion is overblown because and he missed one shot that he that he needed to make, but. He's he's uh, he's been a, as consistent a shooter on the Illinois basketball team as anybody, in exactly. my opinion, for this season. Yeah. And exactly. uh, my point. I, my I, point I, what I want to know is when we're going to get something out of Meyer. I mean, this is this has gone on for eight games now. This is not yeah. nine games. I mean, this is it, it. It hurt him not being here all summer because he had to finish up at Baylor. He's been uh, not what I expected offensively, to say the least. And I wasn't saying that Epps played that poorly. It's just that you, when you get in foul trouble, you change what you do. It just it changes your aggressiveness a little bit. And uh, I thought, well, you just try not to foul as much, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a good idea. But yeah. Anyway, um, I expected the turnovers, Lauren. I expected those things to happen with freshmen. Uh, they'll be fine, I think. The question I've really got is, what can you tell me about Luke Goody and what's his timetable? I can't tell you anything other than they hope he's back in January and then he's going to take a couple of weeks to get ready. I mean, get himself yeah. in condition. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a big help this season. Could, I mean, could be wrong, but I, I think January is on the optimistic side. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Just to, yeah, I don't know how serious it was. Well, it was a foot fracture. It was a broken foot, and yeah. you just you, yeah. you. I think, from what I've learned in brief conversations with medical type people, is there's some variance in how quickly you can come back from it. But yeah. I well, think Kendall that, Gill was in Jan- Kendall Gill was early January, and he got back in March. Yeah, but they're so, not all fractures are this are, are created are equal. Same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's out there shooting. What, what he's he's With got a boot a, on, yeah, and he's got, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean he's out there shooting as much as he can, but that's different than planting, cutting, and oh, doing sure. everything else. That sure. yeah. So well, no, I I, I would consider it gravy or a bonus if he's back and a significant yeah. contributor down the stretch. Yeah, I I I think they miss him because he's a knockdown three point shooter, and we have a lot of those guys. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Thanks, Marty. Bye bye.
217-356-9397 if you want to join the conversation on the phone. And <laughs> on the text line, Castle Heating Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Texter Lawrence says, the Canadian suggestion about soccer, about putting frozen water on it and you know making the net smaller and <laughs> fewer people. Put pads on. Put pad- and they also say there should be fighting. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, football. The new argument about the 12-team playoff will be that third-place teams in a conference don't have to play an extra game and risk a loss prior to being selected into a 12-team field. Yeah, that is is a problem. It is a concern that you've got some teams playing that extra game and some teams not playing the extra game. I mean, if you're Penn State, yeah. This year. Yeah. And They're Michigan and Ohio State have to go play a conference game. Penn State's like, fine with me. <laughs> now, maybe the seeding or the matchup that you could see, if you could see your, you know. And the same is true for the Big Ten basketball well, if tournaments. if you could win it, you could be in the first four, and then you get a bye. There's a there's a real advantage to being in, in the top four in the future. Yeah. Because those four teams get a bye. Mm-hmm. The other eight teams have to play each other. This is a similar conversation that we have every spring around Big Ten basketball tournaments. Mm-hmm. If you're Illinois last year, you know you're in the tournament. And if you have a good run in the Big Ten tournament, okay, now you're going to be a four seed instead of a five or six or whatever it is. But you know that the coaches are kind of like, I don't want to play this tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's all about March. And now this is going to be, for more teams, it's going to be all about getting into the playoff, even though though we're sitting here quibbling over who's really the fourth team in the college football playoff this year because there's really only about three or four teams that we all look at and go, yeah, they're legitimate national champion contenders. The thing that we have a real problem with is trying to wipe from our minds history. History should not be a factor when you sit down to gauge who are the best teams this year. But we can't help ourselves. Nobody can help themselves in this regard. We all, have, we all know history, and we're affected by it when we start evaluating teams. Ryan Walters' future asks the 785 if he doesn't get the Colorado job, which, by the way, it looks like it's going to Deion Sanders. Yeah, it looks like it. Could he still be a candidate elsewhere like Cincinnati? Sure. sure I haven't could. seen his name thrown around with Cincinnati. No, I haven't but, either. But when the jobs first open, what happens is people uh, uh, write there, here's who we think mm-hmm. Cincinnati ought to consider. Yeah. And he was not listed in that. That doesn't mean Cincinnati's not looking at it. And the people who write that are not involved in this hiring. Exactly. <laughs> but they're, I mean, they're monitoring. They're people like me that are making a guess at it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, you, you look at regional ties, you look at budgets and and Those regional ties are always important, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. to schools like yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, if it's a USC, <laughs> you know, or a Notre Dame or you know some sort of national brand, then 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 that comes around to to be a bigger factor. Uh, all right, one more. Um, apparently, the Big Ten would have the option, according to this texture, to not have home games in the playoff, but instead put first round games indoors, like in in, in Indianapolis. I, that's the first I've heard of that. Well, 
So let's say I, Illinois is in. I can see why you wouldn't want to go to Minneapolis and play outdoors in, in January. You might if you're the Gophers. You wouldn't want to host that and, and make – I mean – Especially if you got, I don't know, South Florida. Yeah, we're going to play that in Minneapolis. Well, what, what what are you suggesting here now that that they play the first round game, that they play a first round game in Indianapolis? Is that what you're? Uh, according to the texture, the Big Ten has said that they want to do that. I okay. I don't recall that being said, but I'm not saying the texture is wrong. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. haven't heard it. Well, I can see why there'd be some consideration for that. Yeah, but I would think that's a an advantage for the home team if you're used to it. You know, I mean the. That also always always used to be a thing for the Bears. Tampa Bay can't win in Soldier Field because they don't ever play in twenty degree weather. Well, yeah, if if you're bringing in, let's say, uh, UCLA to play in the first round, and I'm using a bad example there. Let's say you're bringing in Oregon, and because UCLA will be in the Big Ten by that time. But but if you're bringing in Oregon, they'd probably rather play in in, in warmer weather. Yep. All right, uh, we're about done with the first hour of Saturday Sports Talk on Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll get more to the college football playoff with Matt Brown, who is the creator and publisher of Extra Points. And Adam Rittenberg is going to join us at the bottom of the next hour. We'll also have more time for your calls and texts. Glad to be with you. Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate. From the News Gazette Newsroom, I'm Joey Wright. Here's what we're working on for Sunday. It's early, really early, but Urbana City Council member James Quisenberry is letting it be known that he's interested in running for mayor in 2025. Meanwhile, two-term mayor Diane Marlin said she probably won't run again. Political columnist Tom Kasich offers his take. In business, we'll have details on the bigger American Airlines planes that began landing at Willard Airport this week, an indirect result of a nationwide pilot shortage. Plus, our Deb Pressey will introduce the new general manager at Marketplace Mall in Champaign. In sports, preps editor Colin Likas unveils our 19th all-area cross-country teams, led by runners of the year from Monticello and Centennial. Finally, the Creative Theater Department at Parkland College is raising money for its students by raffling off an item near and dear to their current production of A Christmas Story. You can learn more in print and online at newsgazette.com. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Now that's half true. For today, Lauren Tate is here. That's the unchanging aspect of this program. But I'm Scott Patey filling in for Steve Kelly. Uh, Steve on the mend, but all accounts say he's getting better. Just like Levy Smith used to say, getting better every day. And uh, we'll be back with us. Were we? Uh, great to have you with us. Hour number two of Sports Talk, Alina Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Appreciate Andy Katz in the first hour and Ryan Genser from Illinois Women's Basketball. We shift now to more of the business administrative side of college athletics, and particularly, of course, with this week college football with Matt Brown of Extra Points. He joins us on the line. Matt, great to have you with us. 
Hey, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure to be here, guys. You are out in the Northeast this morning, right? I, I am. I, I realize that uh, college football and the college football playoff are the biggest stories here, but my beat sometimes sends me uh, all over the country. I've been writing about college hockey and mid-major college basketball, actually, today. I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Connecticut. Uh, we'll be heading back to God's time zone and Illinois, uh, hopefully tomorrow morning. Well, if you're in Connecticut, I know you're not writing today about major college football, but <laughs> that's another story. Uh, you've been on with us during the week on on our afternoon program uh, to talk, but there are uh, some folks that are, uh, are hearing you here for the first time. So just if you could sum up what, what you're about and uh, what Extra Points is all about. Sure thing. Um, uh, Extra Points covers off-the-field forces that shape the college athletics industry. Um, So this is a publication that writes about things like name, image, and likeness, about media deals, NCAA administrative changes, conference realignment, uh, how universities' athletic departments fit within their academic missions, uh, a lot of you know behind-the-scenes things that really play a very significant role in shaping who's going to be good at sports and what those sports look like, especially now as we head into an era where college athletics is facing a lot of potentially transformational changes. Yeah, you pick a good time to start writing about all that. I could tell you that. Um, well, let's, <laughs> Lord, Lord knows I'm never bored, that's for sure. Yeah, let's start with the big story of the week. Not totally unexpected. It was just what would the Rose Bowl do, and it looks like they decided they would like to be on television in the future, and so they acquiesce to the demands of the college football playoff, and we're going to have 12 teams. Uh, we, we are. The, 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 the fact that we're going to have 12 teams, of course, you're right, not, not in dispute here. The, the question I think that's going to be really interesting is what ends up happening with the Rose Bowl. And, in fact, what happens with a lot of these bowls, once the new contract is really finalized, you know, as I understand it, part of the concern from the other, college, the other board of directors is we can't really guarantee the Rose Bowl anything post-2026 because – we haven't signed that deal. We don't, we don't know exactly what the financial parameters are going to look like. We don't know what the experience is going to be uh, from hosting games on campus sites for the, the next two years here. We're, we're going we're gonna to look into it. The Rose Bowl has a unique historical cachet and a unique television appeal that, you know, no disrespect to, to the Cotton or the, or the Orange Bowls, doesn't really exist. So I, I can't imagine they're going to completely you know, torpedo it and, and make it a a gentrified Capital One Bowl or anything, but you, you can't you can't guarantee those things, right? I I understand that there's a little bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth in some corners of college football internet or college football fandom about moving to twelve. I I, I have to tell you here though, I think on the balance, this is a net positive for consumers. It's a net positive for most athletic departments. It's it's going to be a, a net positive for the the strength of the regular season. Uh, I just hope that over time it becomes a net positive for the football players too. Well, uh, I think that there's no question that there's a value to having 12 teams in it because it, it, it means that there are probably 30 or 40 teams that think they might be in it. There may be more than that that think they could be in it from a year-to-year basis, and that that's awfully important, I think. I, I Honestly, I think it's way more than just 30 or 40 on, on, yeah, a, on, a, maybe, on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but, you're but right. let's like let's just let's think about Tulane for, for for this particular season, right? I mean, this is a team that was four and eight last year. They were on the razor's edge of having their program shut down multiple times in in, in my lifetime, and and you know they, they thought they were going to be decent, but certainly not in competition on paper in competition for this league championship. In this model, 
there is a pathway for the two lanes and the Troys and the San Jose States to, if everything kind of breaks their way, makes a college football playoff. Now, are they going to win four games in the playoff? Probably not, but that's, that's not really the point. <laughs> the point is now I, I think what constitutes a, a meaningfully important game for the postseason across all of college football is dramatically more expansive. Because in a four-team system, you know, as far as who's going to make compete for a national title, half of college football is eliminated on week one. And, and I, I don't, you know, that's not the way it is for basketball or any other sport. Well, the good news is that you won't have people, you won't have players opting out. If they're among those twelve, they're going to be playing for a championship. They won't be opting out. I want to mention uh, something sure. about the Rose Bowl. The fact that Ohio State is probably now in does that allow us to avoid an embarrassing situation or a controversial situation in which the Rose Bowl would have picked Penn State over them because they were unhappy with Ohio State's attitude. <laughs> You know, that certainly makes things much easier. Although, boy, you know, it might get a little bit complicated with, with Purdue and on the off chance that they upset, uh, they upset Michigan here today. I, uh, as, as somebody that grew up in Columbus and is, is close to many people, you know, tied to the Ohio State community, I, I'm not sure how controversial it really would, it would end up being if Penn State was selected over Ohio State. You know, I, I've been told that Ohio State actually asked for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they didn't sell nearly all of their of their ticket allotment for the for the Utah game, and we could say that boy, the Ohio State fan base is entitled, and that would be true. They're spoiled. That that would be true too. <laughs> um, but uh, when your your fan base and your program is expecting championship or bust, and if Ohio State doesn't end up making the playoff, they're probably going to be sitting five or six starters, knowing that that experience is going to be much more meaningful for Penn State. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. And quite frankly, I think that would give us a better Orange Bowl, too, because Ohio State's going to care a little bit more about beating Clemson uh, than they might about Utah again. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, I, I'm, I think that the, the Rose Bowl won't be thrilled with a matchup of Purdue yeah. and Utah. <laughs> they just won't. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm I sorry, I, Penn State. No. I, which would it yeah. be? Now, it would be if Purdue won, of course, they would go to the Rose Bowl. Isn't that yeah. right? I, I, As Big I Ten champion, they would be I Big believe, Ten champion. Yeah, that's an automatic. Yeah. And speaking of the Rose Bowl, UCLA, uh, they kind of keep kicking the can down the road, Matt. It's Matt Brown yeah. from Extra Points here. But supposedly the Board of Regents is going to take up this matter again about whether they are really going to join the Big Ten. Um, how much is it in balance right now, and do you have a sense of – what the tea leaves are saying. I've talked to a couple of um, lawyers that have, have specialized in California higher education law. I've talked to a couple of academics that are part of that system about this. The best intelligence that I've gotten about what's happening here is you have a, a chancellor of, of UCLA who is loath to engage in, in interpersonal conflicts. Gene Block does not want any of these fights. And you have a lot of, of regents, you know, the, the people that are responsible here making these decisions that have very little practical information and experience with college athletics. You know, that's part of the reason why most of the time regents tend to rubber stamp uh, whatever a university wants to do with realignment or a coaching contract or anything that goes in front of there because they simply don't have that practical experience. They do not want the responsibility of having to potentially sign off on something that's going to damage Cal. 
But from what I have been told, the legal repercussions, if they try to nix this deal, are going to be very significant. Because if UCLA is blocked from joining the Big Ten, Fox is going to sue. Potentially somebody tied to UCLA might sue. The Big Ten might be a party of some of those lawsuits. And these are the kind of things that could go up to the California Supreme Court. These are the kind of things that become political footballs for Gavin Newsom, a guy, California's governor, who has national ambitions and probably doesn't want to be tied down with this kind of thing. Uh, it's going to be in everyone's best political interest to find a solution with, for Cal that doesn't get to this point here. I would be shocked if, for whatever reason, by December 15th, UCLA does not have the formal approval to join the Big Ten. But what can they do for Cal? I mean, Cal's four hundred million dollars in debt. What are they going to do for him? There's, 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 uh, there's a couple of potential uh, things on the table here. One of the things that this, the system could do is force UCLA to pay some kind of fee to the, the full centralized system to compensate for the fact that the Pac-12 media deal is going to be diminished with UCLA not being there. Essentially, some kind of tax. Uh, I have heard somewhere in the in anywhere between five and ten million dollars a year that would be redistributed, and that uh, wouldn't help Cal hardly at all. I mean, that's just no, too small an amount of. I mean, there's there's no amount yeah. that they could give them as a fee that would impact Cal significantly. Well, I, I mean, you, you ha- I mean, legally, you can't really do much more than that until right. the Pac-12 media deal is is signed, and you can kind of quantify what the difference would be. Yeah, the thing with Cal that's that's a challenge to kind of handicap this sort of thing is yes, their athletic department is in a terrible financial situation. They saw they did maybe the worst stadium renovation in modern history that has tied them in, in terrible debt and is only going to get worse. But Cal, God bless them, is not a community college. Cal Berkeley's in, in operating budget, to say nothing of their endowment, is in the billions. So if Cal's central campus wants to just absorb more of this debt, which they've already done, Cal will be okay. okay. Um, they need to sell some tickets. They need to, uh, they've had some terrible luck with Under Armour. They've had some, te- you know, other things that weren't in their control. They're not going to go bankrupt. Like this, if this was happening to UC Riverside, it would be a very different conversation, I think. Matt Brown with us from Extra Points. Got a question from, on the text line. Yeah. And we, ha- th- this seems to have quieted down, but. Uh, still, it's worth asking, I think. Do you think that the Big Ten will add anyone else uh, now that football season's almost over? I don't think that they're going to do that in the immediate future. I do think they're going to do it eventually. So the way that this has been explained to me from talking to some of the other television people is you still have factions within the Big Ten, including with Kevin Warren, including with people at, at, at the headquarters, who would like this conference to eventually move to twenty. Um, part of that to help um, some of the travel and logistical expenses for, for USC and UCLA, part of that to give them that proverbial fourth television window and to make Big Ten a little bit more of an NFL-like experience for broadcast partners. You also have uh, some university presidents. I'm told Iowa is one of them. Um, they're not the only one that's skeptical of this, not just from a revenue perspective, but also from a political perspective. Because you know, the, U- the UCLA and USC moves happened very quickly and happened without a whole lot of public oversight. We didn't know this was really happening until six hours before the announcement. Because of the way that Washington and Oregon's state houses are drawn up and because everyone's hypervigilant, you won't be able to do this so secretly. Like We've already reported that Oregon and Washington have talked to the Big Ten, which means that you're going to have 
a protracted political fight. I'm guessing at some point there will be a moment when the Big Ten decides we're ready for that fight. But that, that time does not appear to be right now. Hmm. Well, if that happens, that'll just destroy the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 yeah. or whatever, they, whatever they're going to be. <laughs> and and, and, the, the, and The gentrified Mountain West Conference, the yeah. Oregon State and Friends, <laughs> yes. But that, it, it would be difficult to come back from that for sure. And you underscored an NFL-like experience, which underscores why this is all happening, as we know, as a reminder, because of football. Yeah. And basketball can handle it too, but the travel... I think is doable for those kinds of teams, but are we still on track to have all the sports together in the Big Ten and uh, UCLA volleyball traveling yeah. to Rutgers to play a match? That that is, that is exactly what's happening. And on one hand, I mean, if you're if you're a volleyball fan, I think you can look at that with some level of excitement. UCLA and USC have great programs. Oh, Big sure, yeah, yeah, already nationally elite. Right, this will be great for softball. But you know, what I think maybe some national folks don't totally understand is that even in the Big Ten right now, with some of the wealthiest athletic departments in the country, not all of those Olympic sports are flying charter. If you hang out in O'Hare Airport long enough, you're going to see some Big Ten team and some major program P5 teams you know, pass through looking for their luggage because this is where everybody flies. Well, yeah, I, I travel with baseball, so yeah. I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I'm, I'm glad you're well aware, but like I've talked to – national correspondents who are surprised when they find out like sometimes they take the bus like even at ohio state and michigan like yeah that's sometimes they or they'll, they'll fly jet blue right and and there's no way around it and and when you look at the at the meeting minutes and these these conversations with the uc regents are saying yeah it's going to cost us an extra eight million dollars and it's going to be especially difficult for athletes coming out of southern california because as anybody who travels a lot for work can tell you um, it's not so much the time in the airplane that's really hard mm-hmm. or the time away from class. It's the jet lag. Yeah. And if you're flying from the Pacific Coast to God's time zone, to the East Coast, <laughs> to Maryland, all these other places, you can't be out there long enough to fully acclimate. So I would not be surprised at all to see some highly talented, highly regarded USC and UCLA teams come out here for some baseball games and for a three-game series in Illinois and just get rocked. Not because they're not a good team, but because they're struggling to get their legs after all of that trouble. And that's, that, I think that's a really unfortunate consequence of this. Well, as the Illinois baseball guy, I don't, I don't think I'll mind it when they're coming here. But, <laughs> and I won't mind the trip to Southern California either, but uh, I, I, no, your, your, yeah. your, your point is very valid. These are, this is really good. Dis- I love this kind of discussion because you kind of opened my eyes on a couple of things and I didn't think about the lawsuits that would happen if, if UCLA, if, if they tried, you know, if the, if the regents tried to retain UCLA in the Pac-12, mm-hmm, that would get ugly, wouldn't it? Yep. It, 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 would, it would, and it would be in public, and, and a bunch of people that would rather not go through discovery and, and would rather not have nosy folks from the LA Times quoting them would have to get quoted. It's in everyone's best interest. So so what's going to happen is UCLA is going to come in just like we thought they were. That's right. Hey, Matt, we really appreciate it. What are you working on with your publication, Extra Points? And again, for those that are just joining us, uh, you you have uh, an outlet dedicated to what you say are all the outside forces uh, for college athletics, and I would argue are the forces for college athletics. But uh, yeah, what 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 are you working on? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of different stories right now. So you're part of the reason that I came out here uh, to Connecticut. Part of it is to better understand some of the money 
uh, and forces behind college hockey. Uh, you know, a, a reoccurring conversation, certainly in your neck of the woods, yeah. about Illinois. At some ow, point, maybe, ow, you just hit a sore spot. <laughs> yeah, at a hypothetical point in the future, right? This this is part of you know talking to people at Sacred Heart and talking to people at Yale and 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 Fairfield to better understand why and how people are able to do this. Uh, along with some new facility construction, we're flying out to interview a bunch of athletic directors in Las Vegas for a major conference and the football college football Hall of Fame dinners next week. Uh, and some stories here about the future of FCS football and some low-level conference realignment coming there beyond everything happening here in the Big Ten space. You can find it if this kind of thing is interesting to you at extrapointsmb.com. Matt, a lot of fun to have you. And uh, I call it a win if Lauren has found the guest to be interesting that I booked. So. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I, I, I was very interested in that. So, yeah. and, and I think it, you're on, a, on a, a lot of issues here that were, are still to be determined. We'll do no, it. That, that's, that's true, friends. Thanks so much for having me. I, t- I tell everybody we are, we are truly blessed to be working in interesting times, even though uh, there are definitely days I wish it wasn't so interesting, right? Yep. <laughs> it's, we're kind of lurching from one catastrophe to another. Well, when we have more time, we'll get into NIL. Cause that's... <laughs> sure. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would love nothing more. That's probably half my publication these days. Okay. Thanks a lot, Matt. Be well. Okay, you too. Take care, fellas. All right. Matt Brown, extra points. Dot com. I saw this morning on The Athletic <coughs> that there is a, a letter that's been revealed from the chancellor or the president, perhaps, of, of UCLA. One of, the, one of the schools, I think it was UCLA that's exited, was sent to Washington's president, University of Washington, basically said, I'm sorry. We had to do it. I'm sorry we couldn't give you notice. You know, there's professional working relationships, sure, sure. and there's potential that one president would look at the other and go, you just stabbed me in the back. Uh, and so, the, you know, it was trying to smooth the waters and be diplomatic and saying we had to do this, and, you know, this was in our best interest, but, you know, I love the Pac-12, love you guys, all that. And then there was another subsequent re- letter released from San Diego State <laughs> going, basically, Can we get in? <laughs> I heard, hey, I heard you were dating. Could we talk? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear about your breakup, but if you ever want to get together, <laughs> well, Sandy, let me know. If they want to go to 12, they'd be about the first one, wouldn't they? I would think so. I think that's the most prominent brand on the West Coast that's not in the Pac-12, that, you know, that's not in, you know, or independent or anything. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's right. All right, well, we got some time for texts and calls, and then Adam Rittenberg coming up in a little bit as well. You've got a line I Pella Saturday Sports. Hi, this is Jody Coons from Arthur Christian Basketball. It's off to the Big Apple for Illini basketball. Hear all the action as Illini take on Texas Tuesday right here on News Talk 1493.9 FM. Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by Illini Pella, windows and doors of Central Illinois, a way to improve the look of your home, help reduce your energy costs with Pella, windows and doors of Central Illinois. They're locally owned and operated. Different kind of window shopping experience. And Pella windows are rated number one by Central Illinois homeowners as providing the highest value. They've been in business for almost a half century, pride their se- themselves on giving customers accurate information and support before and after and during the purchase. And they got a friendly, knowledgeable staff. You can visit a showroom today. Maybe you're just curious. Maybe you're 
realizing the cold weather is making your house a little cold, and if you had some different windows, you'd be warmer, or at least your heater wouldn't be working quite so hard. Check out Alina Pella Windows and Doors of Central Illinois. And thanks to them for bringing us Alina Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. To the phones, 217-356-9397. I was waiting for this topic to come up, Mr. Tate. Eric is with us, and Eric, you got a question about quarterback transfers. Correct. <laughs> Correct, yeah. I mean, it seems like you got to strike while the iron's hot because McNamara's already gone, and I saw where the Notre Dame quarterback is available. Um, Tulsa quarterback, I've heard, is a real hot commodity or for, a, for big programs, but I've, I was looking around and thinking, who's going to need quarterbacks? I'm pretty sure Purdue, uh, O'Connell's done after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota, um, you, you name it. There's Illinois, numerous. Indiana, <laughs> they just lost Yeah, the- yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> surprised by that uh, that, was, that was funny that he left already yeah in three years <laughs> well i think <laughs> illinois will have its third quarterback in three years without a doubt but no I, he, he's asking if a quarterback can transfer three times in three years <laughs> which is is there a limit uh, is it different if so. you're oh, man now i can't remember <laughs> is it different if you're a grad student so uh, good question yeah but Eric, you're asking the question I think everyone's asking. What I have not seen yet is bona fide reporting of Illinois interest and talks with or with any particular quarterback. I'm sure it's happening, but well, uh, nothing's come out yet that well, I've seen. Well, it would have to. In other words, they'd have to volunteer that information, and they're not. Most are not going to do it. McNamara had made his decision a long time ago. He's connected to an assistant coach over at Iowa, and this was a done deal before he ever, before it was ever announced. We never were in on McNamara. We couldn't get in on McNamara, but and we'd love to, I'm sure. But he was committed to Iowa all along. Uh, uh, Oklahoma just had a quarterback go into the portal too. Well, there's going to be okay. There's going to be a hundred. Okay, is that a fair number? Is that a, is that a good guess or not? Hundred quarterbacks? I'd say so. Yeah, out of FCS and FBS, there'll be a hundred quarterbacks okay. out there, and we've got to figure out who's the one that's the best one that we, we, we that we can get. And let me ask you, thanks for the call, Eric. Let me ask you this: If you're a quarterback, what's your selling point here? Yeah. Well, your selling point is an open position to play on a good team. Yep. But what if you want? I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying, you know, what if you want a different class of receivers? Well, uh, Iowa has just lost their best two receivers already who've, who've decided to leave, even though McNamara's coming. Did you hear what McNamara said? We'll get better ones than that from someplace else, <laughs> which is probably true. But, uh, no, I, I think that Illinois will be in the market for another receiver uh, transfer if they can get it. There's several really good ones out there right now. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how many are going to be out. Wait, just wait a couple more days. Just a couple more days. And then, then ask the question. When you see the, well, there were 229 players announce when FCS, when, when they were available to announce transfers. Now we're coming up after tomorrow. How many are going to be announcing from FBS? That's the, that's the Division One. Yep. How many? 500? I'd really love to seven hundred. I don't know how many players. I'd, I'd I'd really love to just be able to see the portal, just know. 
Well, we're going to know we're going to know a number pretty pretty fast because we got the FCS number fast. I'm sure we'll get the FBS number tomorrow. Illinois is going to learn its bowl destination, and maybe as big of a question is or bigger amongst the fans. How many are going to play? Well, no, I'm saying is who's the quarterback next year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's as yeah. big of a question right now. Well, what's Sizkowski going to do? That's a, that's it. He's he uh, you know apparently. Uh, He's entered the, not entered the portal. He 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 did senior day. He's got one more year. Is mm-hmm. he going to stay here? Is he going to go somewhere else? Or is he going to give up football? Which, well, there's a lot of people who believe he has a future in the game, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Back in a moment, we'll visit with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. Hi, this is Jody Coons from Arthur Christian Basketball. Get the award-winning News Gazette delivered to your home, plus full digital access. Go to NewsGazette.com and click on subscribe. Welcome back, Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Scott and Lauren. Scott filling in for Steve. Lauren filling in for himself. (laughs) Rarely has to have a fill-in, as we were just (laughs) remarking. Adam Rittenberg writes for ESPN.com, covers college football in the Big Ten and the national scene as well, and he's good enough to make us some time on a championship day, no less. Adam, we feel honored. Thank you very much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Hope you uh, enjoy championship day. Yeah. So where are you today? Uh, I'm in Indianapolis for, for Big Ten. Um, was watching, obviously, the Pac-12 game last night and certainly changed the playoff picture a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, here from Michigan and Purdue. Well, is it exactly what we're seeing out there in all the articles? Ohio State's in and and the Final Four, are. it's not been announced, but do you essentially see the Final Four set? I, I do. I, I think, you know, TCU, uh, barring is just a catastrophic loss to Kansas State, um, I think he's going to get in. Um, and, and they're number three right now. Uh, USC is obviously going to be following. I, I think it would take a lot for both Alabama and Ohio State to get ahead of TCU uh, as a you know team that's undefeated. It's basically won the round-robin Big 12 already. They, they need to win today. But um, but even if they lose respectively, I think that they're uh, never in the playoffs. Well, my partner here says that if Michigan loses tonight, they're still in. Or at least he has information from other people who say that. What does that Adam Rittenberg think? Yeah, well, and I think they're in. I mean, they're undefeated. They have a win on the road against Ohio State. They have a dominant win at home against the Penn State team that is still – uh, ranked pretty highly by the by the committee, so um, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess anything is possible in terms of the margin of loss. But yeah, you got the win right now over number five and number eight, um, and there just isn't there's not enough below them to really uh, justify Michigan falling out of the top four. So I think Georgia and Michigan are in for sure. I think TCU is very likely in, regardless of the uh, outcome. And Ohio State is in because they're not playing today. So they can't lose again, and and no, no Alabama. I guess is or why not Alabama? So why not Alabama is because their best case right now are the games that they lost, not the games that they won. And they lost to two good teams, you know, on the last play in Tennessee and LSU. But 
who have they beaten? And you also look at um, at some of their other near misses. I mean, very fortunate to beat uh, Texas on the road. Very fortunate to beat Texas A&M at home. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M was not a good team this year. They're five and seven. So the, the SEC West is some of it's about you can obviously control your own situation if you win your conference, but if you don't win your conference you're much more reliant on the strength of your division or your conference. And for Alabama, and this hasn't been said very often, guys, in the last you know, 10 years, the SEC West just wasn't very good this year. And so they're not getting the bump that they normally would from beating teams like Texas A&M or, or Ole Miss. The Ole Miss kind of fell off the, the planet in the last few games. Mississippi State's an okay win. But they just don't have a whole lot other than the fact that they're very talented. And I don't think that's enough um, in this environment because I think TCU has done more. Um, I think Michigan has done more, and Georgia has done more. So, uh, and I think Ohio State's done more. Ohio State, you look at their resume, they had one bad half against Michigan, certainly damaging, but they also weren't really in danger of losing any of their other games. Um, and they have a win over Notre Dame. They have a win over Penn State. That's more than anything Alabama has. So I, I don't see a pass for Alabama to get in. Adam, can you tell us the uh, repercussions bowl-wise from the South uh, uh, USC loss. So, a uh, bowl wise. Okay, so that means that uh, uh, Utah will be going to the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, if USC had won, they would have presumably been in the college football playoff, which is yeah, one of the semifinals that's, that's not at the Rose Bowl this year. So, with USC losing, the Pac 12 champion goes to the Rose Bowl. That's Utah. Uh, USC will be going to another New Year's Six game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that definitely changes the picture a little bit. So I, I would expect to see Utah and, and Penn State most likely matching up in the uh, Rose Bowl with both Ohio State and Michigan going to one of the two semifinals. I think it's the Peach and the Fiesta are the two semifinal games this year. Have you figured out where Illinois is going to wind up? Does this still look like you Nashville? Know, uh, yeah, yeah, just doing some digging this morning. I think Illinois – uh, is is uh, is most likely going to um, yes to to Nashville and, and the is the ReliaQuest Bowl they're calling it now. So uh, no, actually, you know, I, I think I think uh, Illinois is more more likely to be in Tampa. Um, it is from what I heard. Uh, sorry about that. They always get confused with the different uh, mm-hmm. sponsors. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's looking like Illinois to Tampa. I would say Iowa is likely to be uh, in the Music City. And then, and then Maryland would be uh, going to the Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. Well, I mean, it's all conjecture until tomorrow. I've also seen that Illinois is still in the, this morning. That Illinois is still in the Music City Bowl, but uh, Ohio State getting back in the playoff helps Illinois with a chance to be in a in a higher prestige mm-hmm. bowl for sure. The Music City Bowl is not that bad either. That's a good. I mean, that's going to be a we big moved ten up SEC. one notch. Is what you're saying, and that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, Adam, with the the expansion of the college football playoff uh, a go now, um, what's the future of conference championships? Well, at least the Big Ten conference championship. We're going to continue to have it, and it's going to continue to be meaningful. Do you think? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I think the Big Ten is likely to eliminate divisions. Uh, you know, with, with when it goes to a sixteen-team conference, but with the playoff expanding, you know, it is the highest six-rated conference champion. So. Um, you know, in many cases, you're going to have, uh, or in many cases, you won't have a matchup like tonight where you have a, a very highly rated team in Michigan and then an unranked team in Purdue. So if you get rid of division, you increase the chances that both teams in this game 
if they were to win, are, are almost automatically into the playoff based on that, that system of, of who gets in and who gets out. So I think that's what we're going to see. Certainly the Big Ten Championship has been a big success. They've a sellout for a fourth straight year. They're going to continue to have this event. But I think they, 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 my, my expectation is that they will get rid of divisions and do something different um, so that, uh, that to kind of ensure that um, whoever wins this game is going to be part of the college football playoff because, you know, they'll come in with a higher ranking than certainly Purdue. Okay, so Lauren and I both just chuckled at this because we were talking about this last hour. So is this really what could happen if it was this year? Wouldn't that mean that Michigan and Ohio State, no doubt, would play the final regular season game of the year? And then they'd be in the conference championship again the next week, and then they could potentially match up in a in a single elimination format and play three times? <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? Sure, but I mean, keep in mind, too, that, 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 that oftentimes there won't be such a gap between Michigan and Ohio State and everybody else in the conference. So the loser of that game in the regular season, I believe, many times will be knocked out of this game. So I, I think there'll be a lot of years where, you know, the, the loser of Michigan-Ohio State is out, and then the winner plays, let's say, Penn State or plays USC or, or, or Wisconsin or somebody like that based on, you know, different tiebreakers and, and so forth. But I, I just think that, you know, th- this type of game, guys, is not, you know, it's great for Purdue. It's been great for Iowa and Northwestern and Illinois, but like, or, or Wisconsin rather. But like, for the conference's standpoint, you want to have two really good teams in this game. So how do you ensure that? Are you by keeping the divisions currently set up? Probably not. Um, so I, 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 you know, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, told me this week that um, uh, they will be talking about divisions at spring meetings. But I, I think that there's certainly more of a desire to see this game in Indianapolis every December on the first Saturday match up two teams that that are of higher caliber than some of the ones we've seen in recent years. Well, all I want to say, Adam, is I live long enough to know I remember the big two and the little eight, and I I can foresee the big – 14, <laughs> the big two and the, and the little 14 in the near future. I think you're going to have, I think there's a heck of a chance. They, their talent is so much better than everybody else, Michigan and Ohio State, that there's a real good chance that they can finish 1-2 again, repeatedly, I would think. You say that, Lauren, I mean, but I mean, Illinois had Michigan beat. I, I understand mean, that. Was, was, you know, like, it, it was, there was, I, I watched that game, I didn't see two teams that were in different stratospheres, so... I hear what you're saying, um, and certainly there's a history of that. But you're also bringing in a, a you know a team at USC. I know that they'll have a transition, but like you know USC will be one of the most talented teams in college football most seasons. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they're leaps and bounds behind Ohio State, Michigan. I think Penn State is is trending in, in a positive direction. They obviously need to start winning those games more often than they have recently under James Franklin, but. Um, uh, anyway, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I know people don't like rematches. I don't like uncompetitive games. Like, like my, 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 my gag reflex is less about, oh, my God, we have to watch Ohio State-Michigan game again versus here I am sitting at Lucas Oil Stadium watching a non-competitive game again. I, I don't think that that's good for anybody. So um, I, 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 I'm okay with rematches if it means more competitive football. Well, I am too. I, I didn't mean to say I didn't like it, but I, I'll watch Michigan Ohio State if they played every day of the week. I mean, I exactly. think, but yeah. I do think that, 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 that that's what you're going to see. I think there's a heck of a chance that you're going to see those two at the top year after year because what has happened in, in college football financially, NIL wise, 
recruiting-wise, everything is happening in, in the, to their benefit. And yes, Illinois came awfully close to beating Michigan, but that's one game. Illinois still eight and four. Michigan still undefeated. You know, that's just they are. Yeah, yeah, and Illinois certainly had their chances to be in this game, and unfortunately uh, lost those two home games. Um, but you know, again, it, 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 I think it'll be a fascinating. You know, they may go to a pod system. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of options at 16 that you don't really have at, at 14. But I do think that the big thing, if I'm the Big Ten, is I want to make sure that my most meaningful games are played more often. And, you know, and, and also, how do I get a championship game in most seasons that's going to be compelling? Because the thing about divisions, guys, is that, yes, there are some games that you want to see every year. But there's also a lot of games that don't matter that are played every year that, 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 that I think uh, are at the expense of games that people would love to see. So I want to see with you know you, I want to see USC and Michigan play most years. I want to see you know UCLA and Ohio State or, or Penn State and uh, and, 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 and you know and, and Michigan or Penn State and, and Wisconsin. Like those are great games, but there's a lot of games in the division format that just don't need to be played every year in order to have a really robust conference schedule. Adam Rittenberg with us. Uh, zooming out with the hire of Matt Rule in Nebraska and Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, did the Big Ten West, as 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 we know it now, did the Big Ten West get stronger? Yes, no, for sure. I think both hires were were good, and um, you know, I think uh, especially Wisconsin because Wisconsin almost made a decision, you know, not just to hire a great coach, but also about what they could be as a program because Wisconsin traditionally has gone, you know, in-house, you know, with Barry Alvarez, who, who resurrected that program. And then he promoted Brett Bielema, who was, you know, his, his uh, you know, he brought him in as a defensive coordinator and coach in waiting. And then, um, you know, then they went a little bit different with Gary Anderson, but then they go right back to Paul Chris, uh, who was one of their guys. And then there was an assumption, like I had and a lot of people had, that they stick with Jim Leonard, who certainly is a, is a coach with great potential, but I think they're, they're at AD Chris McIntosh said, well, why don't we try to be something bigger? Why don't we shoot for something a little bit higher? And Luke Fickle is, is, is just a, a higher level coach at this point in his career than Jim Leonard is. That's no fault to Jim. Luke's about 10 years older. He's accomplished a lot more as a head coach. And so I was really impressed that they kind of swung for the fences and I think hit a home run with Luke Fickle. And then I think Matt Rule also is exactly what Nebraska needs to start building back the respectability. Adam, what, what's going to happen with Leonard, and what's going to happen at Colorado? Right, so Leonard, you know, I, I'm going to try to dig around on that a little bit. I know that he had conversations with, uh, with Luke Fickle, um, uh, you know, I, I think it was midweek, uh, you know, but nothing has come out as far as his future. I, I do think philosophically that they're a little bit different. Leonard runs a 3-4. Um, Luke Fickle's always been a four-down guy on defense. If you can keep him in, in some form, maybe there's a way to do it. But uh, I, I think there's a pretty good chance Jim Leonard moves on from Wisconsin. And then all signs are pointing for Deion Sanders to uh, Colorado. I think that's going to happen. It's been rumored for a couple of weeks. It's certainly good news for Illinois fans. We'll see if that gets wrapped up Saturday night or, uh, or Sunday. A good news for Illinois in that Ryan Walters doesn't leave? Correct, although there'll be other people coming after him. I mean, you look at USC and their struggles defensively, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if, uh, if Lincoln Riley is, uh, is, is calling Ryan Walters here pretty soon. Wow. All right, well, Adam, uh, here's to a competitive game tonight between Purdue and Michigan. Um, it, it, there's obviously a little bit more for Purdue to play for tonight, although Michigan 
has a shot at a number one seed, I suppose, if Georgia were to stumble. So there's incentive for both to play in this. But uh, for all of our entertainment values, here's and your reporting, here's to a, a competitive game. And as always, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the games today. Thank you, Adam. All right, Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. Um, always been a a consistent. You know, this is a guy. He's covered nationally, well, he's, and he's always consistently available to us. He's he's correct that the series of East-West playoff games have been, in some cases, <laughs> routes. Oh yeah, and might be today. We don't know yet, but and and you've got to do something about that. The the Ohio State Michigan rivalry is such that you can't place them in opposite divisions, can you? Or could you place them in opposite divisions and then make or sure pods. they and make sure they play at the end? They've got to play at the end of the season, no matter what. But you oh could, yeah, I mean that came down from Mount Sinai that the they point, have to play. My point is that you're overloading whichever division they're in. You're overloading that division. Yeah, both of them are in it, and that's what we've got right now, along with Penn State. The three of them—that's the best three teams in, in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you have to spread them out, but and that's what's fouling up what's happening with with Illinois right now, and and, and not in this division. They're not going to allow this to continue. On the flip side you know you you I, you have to let your allow yourself flexibility or something because i know it seems like ohio state and michigan will always be the giants and i can't say they won't be but things happen mm-hmm. and maybe in five ten years it's just totally different maybe maybe <laughs> maybe well it could be but i i just we, we've lived through this and we've seen michigan have problems and get the wrong coaches but as soon as they now they're bouncing back pretty strong, I would say. And the the problem is in the recruiting and the fact that they are always, always going to get the best players. Whether they make them, whether they make that work, where they have injuries, where they have problems, you know, of some kind, yeah, that can happen. But they're always going to have the one-two recruits. A break and uh, our final segment with a chance for you to weigh in. Give us a call. Send us a text. Alina Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 62-59 Maryland. Every possession big. Clark for the tie. And the freshman buried it. The biggest shot early of his career. Ties the game at 62 on a right wing three. They got a big offensive rebound late. And, uh, you know, Jaden Epps got a great, great look in transition. Um, I'll let him shoot that ball every single time. We've all seen that. It was a it was a tough night for him because he played in foul trouble. But I'll let Jay Nepp shoot that ball every single night. And uh, you know I'm I'm proud of this group. Uh, you know just uh, to be 14, 15 down, uh, just an incredible environment. It's a, it's a shame they don't they don't draw like this more often here. But um, a great environment, great college basketball game, and and. Uh, they make they got an offensive rebound, and um, you know it was a big play of the game, and um, you know they hit they hit the three late, and that's on me. That is all on me. I had Dane in the game. Uh, we don't switch ball screens with him, um, and uh, you know Terrence got hung up, and uh, kid got a good look. So um, you know we five way switch, and uh, um, you know that's a that's a mental note that uh, I've got to I got to have in the future.
Sky Clark tied it 62-62. Illinois couldn't hold on, and they lose last night to Maryland. There is the thoughts, some of them, from Brad Underwood on the postgame radio interview with Brian and Dion. And the Illini are 0-1 to start Big Ten season. There's 19 more of them. You know when that score was 57-all, listen to this. In the second half, this is deep in the second half, Maryland had no assists, six turnovers, and no threes in the second half I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? I Zero was, assists, six turnovers, no threes. I watched it, and I was you know, tracking the score and the trends, but I was not uh, looking at the box. And I thought that Illinois had way more turnovers than they did. They only had 12, mm-hmm. but they just seemed to be costly. And, well, and I mean, you, you, you never want turnovers, but you can expect about 10 to 12. I think if you're a head coach, you live with 10 to 12 in a game because that's just what happens. It hasn't been mentioned, but in the se- but when they made that 17 to 2 run early, Maryland had a real run. The score was 28 to 16. And at that point, Maryland had six unguarded layups. Oh, Illinois was all out of they sorts. They were terrible in playing defense in that first half. The first they give up layups, then they give up wide open threes where the guy just, you know, took dead aim and took his time and and shot him in. And and yet in that second half, their defense was exceptionally good. I I, I thought it was a remarkable uh, turnaround for Illinois. And remember, they're playing in an I mean. You could see it on television. The crowd was flipping them off. They were yelling expletives at Coleman well, Hawkins, and that's not unique. You gotta love. You gotta appreciate that. I mean, oh, I'm just saying. You know, if you're in, you after, live with that. If you're in the first time and you're a freshman and the whole and you haven't yeah. done it yet this year. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, so I, I'm just saying you can't discount that as a as a, a significant significant factor. What we're seeing is that experienced teams, experienced teams, are having more success in college basketball than we thought would happen when freshmen were named eligible and Duke and Kentucky got all the good freshmen. That's not happening. They're not winning. This is a little more NBA-ish. It is because we're getting all these free agents. Exactly. Exactly. Older teams are still going to fare better. Older players are picking their spots. This team had Fats Russell running the team last year. Oh, yeah. Well, where'd he come from? He played for Maryland. And then look out who's – now they got young this year, and he was a star. He was a star for Charlotte. Hate to bring up a downer note uh, towards the end of the show, but the U.S. has fallen to the Dutch. Um, the 3-1 to one final? Uh, yep. And the Dutch will go on to meet Argentina or Australia. Not the whole country, but their soccer team in the quarterfinals. Well, the U.S. has been on the edge ever since uh, those first two – ties and we'll say goodbye in a moment mike mary and his team at the pella window and door store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement remodeling or new construction go see them now if you got a project later this year or into 2022 now is the time to start the conversation the Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online, PellaOfChampaign.com. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. All right, Lauren, this is fun. We'll get to do it again next week, presumably, unless uh, Steve is... 
has a quicker than projected recovery. But uh, well, tomorrow we can quit speculating on where Illinois goes. Maybe it'll be Tampa. Maybe it won't. But uh, well, the we'll, athletics' latest projection has Illinois in Tampa. Okay. Uh, I think that's uh, presuming some that's outcomes. That's what Adam today. said. Yep. And but two four seven, not Jeremy Warner, but uh, a national guy for two four seven still has them at the Music City. Mm-hmm. I think it's down to those two. Uh, well, we know they moved up a notch yeah. when when Southern Cal got beat. Yeah. Now, if Purdue pulls off the upset, that bumps Penn State somewhere, but maybe oh, well, that puts them right back that, in the orange. Or if that there. happens, we'll have uh, an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right. Well, this was a lot of fun. We really thank our guests, Andy Katz from the Big Ten Network and the NCAA.com website, Ryan Gensler, Illinois women's basketball assistant coach, Matt Brown from Extra Points, and Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. If you missed any of it, it'll be a podcast soon at WDWS.com, also on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again real soon, Lauren. Thanks, Dave Leak. Behind the scenes, News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's 11 a.m.